This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Hey, Chef Joe here from the Urban Kitchen Group. I want to invite you all to dine with us from January 21st to the 28th for San Diego Restaurant Week to try our California-inspired Italian cuisine. Head on over to the San Diego Restaurant Week website to make a reservation now. G'day, folks. It's your friend Dennis Connor again. We have the uh, Newport to uh, Bermuda race, a uh, classic that uh, goes off with the help of the Royal Bermuda Yacht Club and the New York Yacht Club and uh, the offshore sailors here in the, in the United States. And, uh, of course, the Volvo, which you can read about ad nauseum every day. It's on there whether you want to read about it or not. And then the classic of all classics, I think, is the uh, Sydney to Hobart race that goes on down in Australia. So we're going to kind of focus on that uh, a little bit and what's going on in Australia and give you a, a little update. As you know, the Sydney Hobart race uh, starts uh, basically our Christmas Day, the day after Christmas in Australia. They call it Boxer Day. It's a huge holiday. Uh, no one's working. And the boats out on Sydney Harbor, just uh, we can literally walk from uh, boat to boat have uh, just a big party, and they really love their their yachting uh, down there, and they all get together to watch the start of the race. And this year, uh, every seems like every year to me that the Sydney Hobart race is a classic. I don't know how it always seems to work, but it always seems to start in a light southerly, and then all of a sudden uh, they're offshore, and there's blowing 20 knots, and it's blowing 30 knots, and you're going through the Bass Straits, and uh, people are breaking and uh People are calling for help, and people are complaining about how cold and wet it is, but they all love it. And today's race, uh, last year's race, was uh, no different. So uh, I'm not really that knowledgeable, up to date on all what's going on. So I invited a special guest of of, uh, of ours today uh, to introduce you to Josh Whitaker, who is a uh, Australian. Uh, by uh, uh, by birth, and uh, welcome, Josh. And he's going to tell us a little bit about himself and what he's uh, up to, and maybe give us a little bit of play-by-play of a very exciting race with Comanche in the uh, Sydney Hobart race, and we'll, we'll touch on a few other things. He might even share with us what his plans are for the Australian America's Cup to uh, be coming so, uh, up. So there, there's a lot of uh, interest in yachting, as, as always, in Australia. So, Josh... Uh, Welcome to our podcast, and yeah, welcome back to San Diego after a very intense uh, two, three weeks yeah. down, in, uh, down in Australia, and you had a great result uh, on the water. It didn't turn out quite as well, but the uh, bottom line is you, you uh, won the race by a half an hour, set a new record, and uh, all you battlers from the CYC, Rico and Mothy, and you had a, must have had a wonderful race. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to. Yeah, thanks, Dennis. Um, oh, I'm... As as you said, I live in San Diego now. I moved up here uh, two years ago. I'm a resident up here now, but I miss Sydney. But fortunately, I'm very lucky to get to go back each year and participate with uh, Wild Oats. I've been with that team now for uh, 12 years as a trimmer and sail coordinator. So pretty close, Nick, bunch of guys. And, um, you know, for us, December's, you know, a big highlight in our lives. And it's, you know, we, we don't have much for Christmas with our family. Obviously, it's all about that race. So... 
uh, yeah, we went from a big high to a big low, really, but uh, we can go on that later. But yeah, I left school uh, when I was uh, just turned 16, basically, and wanted to be a sailmaker. And I didn't think it was going to lead to the life I have now, that's for sure. But uh, did my apprenticeship, finished that, and uh, turned that into uh, you know a, a sailmaking job. And the first big break really was with Sid Fisher and James uh, Spittle with the Young Australia team. So uh, that obviously gave a lot of guys a leg up in the sport. And from there went into offshore canning keel boats, uh, sailing with Neville Crichton on his 80 and 90. And then uh, that led into uh, changing teams and, you know, with Wild Oats. So, yeah, just basically sailing, you know, in Europe and Australia and, you know, Asia, all over the world now, just uh, trimming and um, thankful, you know, have a great job and great lifestyle. So one of the things, uh, David, is standing up on you without knowing you that well, I, I uh, got some G2 that you're, in spite of uh, being a great trimmer and uh, knowing a lot about sales, that you're also on the uh, medical team. Is that true? You're yeah. part of the medical, which in a big boat like this, you know, with all the hydraulics and uh, so many uh, things going on with a lot of pressure, you must uh, have to you know, keep up a lot with your with your uh, uh, ability to treat someone in case of a serious injury. So, yeah. do you spend a fair amount of time at, at that? Yeah, keeping your medical license up as well. One hundred percent. My father was a paramedic for a lot of years, and I guess I I grew up a little bit around you know incidences and and talking about things like that, pretty open about it. And, you know, I take it really serious. It's a big responsibility. And like you said, I mean, we've had a few incidences now on Wild Oats. And, you know, my best mate, uh, Tim Wiseman, the bowman, he actually uh, squashed his finger in a main sheet block. Uh, I guess that's probably six or seven years ago now. But, you know, we had to treat that. And, you know, it's difficult, quite difficult. You know, you're offshore, it's bumpy, you know, trying to deal with a patient. Uh, You know, it's a, a lot about ministering you know, paying medication and, and keeping that person, you know, uh, out of shock and, and looking after them till we get them to help. But, uh, you know, Robbie Naismith, he, you know, who trims with me, Battler, we thought he actually broke his femur just with a wave. The wave just washed him into the staunching. And and uh, so, you know, we've had a few incidents. You've got to be careful. I mean, these boats, are they're, they're big and they're highly loaded and and we take safety very seriously at our, at our program. And, um, you know, we do a lot of training and, and and above and beyond what's required each year. Very interesting, Josh. And uh, one of the things I, I think that some of our viewers are not aware of, in Australia, you don't just uh, uh, go right off to a college and medical school. There's a, there's a journeyman uh, apprentice programs that most of the people go into. So they're not that easy to get into a quality program. And uh, I'm, I'm interested when you said you went into an apprenticeship for your uh, sail making, did you get in with uh, with uh, Kako there at North Sales uh, up in yeah, Pittwater, or I, how did that work? I eventually, I actually went to Hood Sales uh, back in the day. You know, when I was fifteen, you, know, you see those classic Hobart shots, and you know, it was all about Blue Spectra. You know, Hood Sales, and you know, Hugh, Hugh Tram was a, a good friend of my father's, and he he, you know, I said to Dad, "Look, I want to be a pro sailor one day," and he laughed at me and. Uh, <laughs> He said, "Well, if you want to do that, you should be you should have a trade, and you know, go and see my mate Huey." And you know, things were very different back then. I mean, we learnt to floor cut sails and shape sails, you know, with broad seam on the floor, and you know, certainly that's not how the technology is these days. Thank thank goodness, because it's a lot easier these days. But uh, 
it was it was great. You know, I've got a, a you know a big skill base, but most importantly, you just end up sailing a lot. You know, every weekend you work seven days a week. You sail with quality guys. You know. And you learn a lot, and I kept my mouth shut, and learned, you know I learned a lot, and I'm um, very thankful for that. And and eventually, yes, I ended up working for Coco there prior to Young Australia. So, um, you know, I wanted to be with North. I saw them as the uh, the leader in sail making, and I, I think probably still are today. So, um, you know, it's it, I've had a relationship with that company for a while now, uh, th- with Wild Oats, and and obviously handling the sail inventories for those boats. So, yeah, it's. Um, it's an exciting time, actually, with sailmaking and the technology that's around now and, you know, with the 3DI and, and what we can do uh, as, as a unit, you know, within our team and, and with them and working with their software. And, and you know, I was just up at Minden, actually, uh, in uh, November looking at the plant and it's uh, really impressive what's going on up there. Nice, nice update. Thank you. And uh, going back to this year's Sydney Hobart race, uh, it was hard for us to follow it play-by-play uh, play by play here, uh, five thousand miles away. But it appeared to me that the, the uh, race got off to a pretty slow start, and it looked to me like uh, Comanche had sprung to a uh, big lead. I thought, "Oh man, this this is uh, going to be over." And then the next morning, I look, and uh, not only has uh, Wild Oats has caught up and uh, and and uh, actually taken the lead, coming into the uh, final harbor in. in uh, Tasmania. So, uh, can you just give us any th- thoughts on how, how did you get? Uh, were you behind by a fair bit? And if so, how did you catch up so dramatically? Because the boats aren't that much different sure. in speed. How, how did you make all that work? And you, you don't have Steve Jarvin and Mothy just <laughs> trimming the, the the other side from you and and catch thirty miles in yeah. one night. Yeah. No. Look, we had a bad start. I mean, that was you know we all put a hand up for that. That was probably the worst start I think we've ever had, and we're. You know, we, we we did a lot of start practice this year in coaching to try and improve that area, and we didn't do a very good job come race day. But, you know, obviously once we're out past the sea mark, settled down, I think we got into a triple head rig there. So we uh, – and we, we kind of knew we had to really, really work hard that first afternoon. On the forecast, it was going to be Comanche's uh, wind angle and, and – you know, the model conflict was a little bit different. It was, you know, saying it was going to be 17 to 20 and, and one model had it at eight knots. So we were, we were hoping it was going to be the lower end of the wind scale. And uh, I think, I think it was kind of like 12 true wind speed and, and the angle, we, we kind of started out at about 90 true wind angle and, and ended up about 115, 120. So that, that went through a period of five or six hours. Uh, we were surprised. We were actually holding them pretty well. Um, out of the blocks, and I think we got down past. Uh, it must have been Point Perpendicular. Uh, so I guess what's that, eighty miles or something. And um, it, then it started. It got a little windier, and he. I mean, he really hit his straps. I think about seventeen knots, and you know, at around one twenty winding, or we can't hold on to them, and they they literally disappeared over the horizon. So we at that stage thought, well, that might be the end of that, but. You know, it we, must have been a bit discouraging. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, and and we've sailed that against that boat before, and obviously we know it has its angles, and they they know what they've got to sail at, and and we don't play their game, and we've got to sail our boat to its angles, and and it's very different. Um, I, I think that I think they can't really even sail lower than one forty eight wind angle. I think you know that's what I've heard with the A three on. So they they need to 
get the weathered surface off and, and sail healed up and that's what they do. So we our boat's very different and uh, that night we just pushed really, really hard. I mean, um, you know, we were aggressive and, you know, no, no one pulled the hammer off the other helmsman apart from Rico. I mean, Rico's he, he is really, really good and he knows that boat. I mean, I know when he's driving and I'm trimming, like he's – He's very, very good. But the other two guys I've got to give credit to, you know, Chris Links and Graham Taylor. Graham Taylor just won the Australian Etchell Championships yesterday. They're brilliant helmsmen too. So, and you know, they're not big names, you know, but uh, they certainly know the boat well and do a good job. And, you know, and, and, and while we're giving credit, I've got to give credit to uh, Ian Burns, to Fresh, because, you know, he really stepped up in the navigation role and took over from Juan and Juan obviously doing the Volvo couldn't be there and, and Burns he did a you know, he did a phenomenal job, you know, with a whole lead up and prep and then executing his plan the way he saw it and, and Ian Murray as well. So, you know, they did a great job. Uh but yeah, we just pushed hard and I think, you know, for, from about four in the morning, uh the next the, you know, the twenty seventh, that's when it started getting real. I mean, it's probably blowing twenty eight through Gustin 33 and, you know, we got the masthead shoot on. I think we decided when it got over 30, we put a reef in and, uh, you know, the, no, that can't be easy to do it's either. Not, it's not easy. It actually works well. We, our reefing system, we, we put a lot of time and training into that. And But, I mean, it's serious sailing. You, you know, you, you've got to be careful. Uh, and uh, The boat must be pegged like 28, 30 knots yeah, all just, the time. Yeah, I think you're doing wind pretty, speed pretty much. Amazing. Yeah, yeah so yeah. – there's a lot of water on the deck, and and it, it was good too because the the bow modification really, you know, it, it paid its dues. I mean, yeah, we had a short period swell, not a very big one, but you know, with the old bow configuration, you would have had it under the oh, water. Yeah, we would yeah. have had a problem. Yeah, so it definitely, you know, like looking at, you know, the time we we're putting on blackjack as well. I think you know we can say that 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 modification was successful in that. So you wake up uh, the next day, you're caught back up in the race, and you find yourself in the lead. You're coming up to the finish, and you you uh, hold, hold them all uh, uh, off and uh, win the race by half an hour, and everybody's happy, but wondering, well, what about that uh, incident a few days ago? How is that going to work? And so I think a lot of our viewers are a bit confused because sure. uh, we. We've uh, seen so many pictures of the, of the uh, event, I, the, the, the issue, where it appears to um, a lot of friends and myself that uh, while Lowe's on port and uh, Comanche on starboard was, uh, was uh, our friend James Spithill steering the boat <laughs> there. So you know you have a very aggressive uh, helmsman on the Comanche. He did a good job. Com- Comanche, and he knows how to... Uh, Make things look his his way, definitely. So yeah. we don't know. We we didn't see the track from a minute or two earlier. We just see the two boats coming together. It looks like wild oats uh, not crossing, so they uh, make a pretty uh, quick tack. And uh, I'm not sure who who said what to whom, but it could have been up in the water of the Comanche. There's a bit of uh, uh, conversation, and a red flag goes up, and. Uh, uh, life goes on. So we're, I'm kind of surprised here. You have like, uh, Ian Murray certainly knows the rules. He raced against me in the America's Cup. And, sure. And he's yeah. on Wild Oats kind yeah. of as a helping Rico with, with tactics and yeah. commenting uh, on the situation. Yeah. Wasn't, it didn't, couldn't have just uh, happened. So Rico sees uh, the cross coming and uh, it, it looked to me like uh, 
you should have either ducked or attacked a, a little sooner. And then when that didn't work, I'm wondering uh, why – can you share with us without embarrassing anybody? Why, why wouldn't you just have uh, done your circles and lost a minute? And a two-day two race, uh, and everybody would have been uh, happy and not have to worry about it for two days. A hundred percent. Like, you know, the armchair admirals out there and those Monday morning quarterbacks. Well, that was know, me. That was mate, me. I mean, we, you know, it was bad enough, and then, you know, the jury's decision, fair enough. It, but a hundred percent in hindsight, and and looking at the helicopter footage, and, you know, as soon as we got there, we went, you know, we're in trouble. So from where we were... It, to me, or to I think to some other people, I mean, it's not for my decision, but it it was tight, Lebo. It was in there, but I don't, you know, it certainly wasn't dangerous. There was no malice in it. I mean, you know, the unfortunately, uh, the jury you know, they only have the facts to deal with. That's and, uh, right, and, and they, they they may have wanted to uh, exonerate you or ten minute penalty. Yeah, but I, um, in and, their infinite wisdom, they gave you an hour and you lost the, the race, but you still yeah. set the last time record. They can't take that away from sure. you. And, and, uh, and you had a good performance. For all the kids out there too, I mean, you know, or in, and a lesson learned here, I mean, you, you've just got to avoid going to the room. That's the basic thing. I mean, you just don't know how that's going to end up, you know. And, and There's two sides to every story. There is two sides to every story, and we probably should have did a, did a better job with that. Looking, Maybe put a flag on him as well. So, you know, we certainly back on it, it. Yeah. Or looking back on it, just take away this uncertainty. And that's right. Do your yeah, circles 100%. and, and uh, ease your mind for the next two days. So Yeah. So much for uh, the Sydney Hobart race this year. It's in the records. Uh, uh, Wild Oats uh, set the, a new record. It didn't seem like the conditions were, were the type of conditions that you didn't expect a record. So the, these boats must be just getting faster and faster, John. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and, we, and we've still got plenty left in the tank. I mean, we, I think we left maybe a couple of hours out on the racetrack, in all honesty. Um, you know, we blew an A5 out, uh, you know, uh, we had to fill that up and get get it down, and you know uh, our prop box was coming down at times because it was just that much water flowing underneath the boat. How, how so, does that wor- rule work now? As far as starting with the same equipment you finish with, if you blow out a spinnaker and it goes in the water, you don't go back and pick up the pieces. When you blew out your A five, why couldn't you have just cut well, it lo- lo- loose and saved an hour of drama you, putting it down below so you? Kako could repair sure, it. Sure, that's right. We call it a Cobra. Uh, it, definitely no repairing that sail. But the beauty of it is with the top-down furling with the cables, I mean, we blew that sail apart. We literally just rolled the sail around the cable. I actually had to go downstairs and cut the sail up so to you get the sheets out of it. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to be able to peel, actually. So, uh, yeah, look, this top-down furling, it's definitely the way forward. It's pretty uh, user-friendly, let's put it that way. <laughs> Well, thanks for that update, uh, Josh, and welcome back. And maybe you could uh, give us a little insight into what, what's uh, the chances of an Australian America's Cup challenge. We know that the uh, New Zealanders haven't really even settled on the boat, mm. or for sure the venue. There's a lot of drama going on where Grant Dalton is asked to put the gun to the head of the New Zealand government for $60 million. A lot of people feel like they already paid for the effort, and uh, this is just extortion for the crew. And the New Zealand people aren't too thrilled about uh, paying him a ransom to keep the event in Auckland. So I don't think we've seen the end of uh, of the event. My, I suspect personally that the event will be in the Waimata Harbour, maybe a little different spot under different conditions. And I think that's influencing the type of boat that we might race with. You can't have a boat drawing 24 feet there in uh, Auckland. You couldn't get it to the dock. Sure. Yeah. So I think the venue will have something to do with the type of boats they end up with. But everybody's uh, very interested in seeing how this might work out. 
with an 80 foot sloop uh, with the 10 or 12 foot racks with pods on it so they can uh, uh, foils that can plane downwind or they're going to be slow upwind in a breeze and they're not yeah. going to be fun to tack in eight knots of wind. <laughs> and if two boats coming together at 30 knots and those pods get tangled up, there's going to be some carnage. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's ambitious, I think, and good good on them for bringing this rule in, you know, but, uh, you know, imagine the engineering involved. The The problem I see is the budgets. I mean, you know, they're going to be expensive boats and and historically – you know, for Australia to raise money and, and join the America's Cup, I mean, we I don't think we're going to get it from the corporate sector. I mean, you know, I know Tom's... When you say we, are we talking we New Zealand or are we Australia? Uh, we Australia, I yeah. I, I, I'm, you know, I know Tom Slingsby is out there. You know, he has government support and he's out there trying to raise some money now. And, you know, there's no one better in our country at the moment. You know, he's a, he, you know, he's a real, real leader guy. in the sport yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, a great spokesman and... You know, he's hungry after the Oracle Challenge and, you know, if there was anyone to take that syndicate forward in Australia, he's the right man for that job. Well, you know, we're, we're not privy to the real thinking of uh, Grant Dalton, but one thing I would guess is they're not anxious to just have this be a one-event uh, show. They want to do everything they can to keep this uh, not only for their own pride and the sailing pride of New Zealand, but from an economic value of uh, what it does to Auckland and the country of New Zealand. So I don't think they're in any mood to make this as easy as they can for other people to come here and and take it off of them. So think of the big advantage they're having right now just in the technology and the engineering of working on the real boat. That's right. Where where no one else really even knows what what the real boat is. No, they're well ahead of the game, that's for sure. And, and, you know, maybe having it uh, cheap is not what they really want. You yeah. have it cheap, and you have ten teams that take up a lot of drama right. in the harbor, yeah. and they don't really have a chance to win. What's the point? It's just yeah. like having a big circus. Exactly. So we don't really know the motivation, but we one thing you can pretty much count on uh, for sure, and that the uh, U.S. effort with uh, yeah. Dick DeVos and uh, uh, the uh, team there, unlimited money. So they're not going to be, be they're not going to be hurt by uh, any absolutely not. A, any uh, constraints on the money involved. Though they've hired a uh, a, g- a good team, and uh, they're off and running. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't look to me like Ben Ainsley is doing anything uh, much less. He's he's uh, got yeah, one of your mates up, up there sure. to uh, help him run the campaign. Yeah, which was one of his uh, I think shortcomings last time. He didn't really. Ha- have the leadership of how to run a big team. He he was a fin yeah, sailor that, sure. uh, that got involved in the cup with Larry and the catamaran. But yeah, there's no one better than Grant Simmer. But like, his management, yeah, absolutely, he, he's got to have some training there. Sure, he's got the queen and the princess on his side, but <laughs> you still have to manage a hundred guys. It's a little bit different deal. And yeah. I think having uh, uh, Grant there and his experience, and not yeah. only in the America's Cup but in Etchells and a mature guy, well respected by everyone, he'll be able to really. Uh, Upgrade uh, Ben Ainsley's yeah, chances absolutely of, win- of, of winning. Yeah, so we have to wait and see for sure. Uh, the money. I haven't uh, seen any Ooh. announcements of uh, budgeting uh, costs. Uh, or yeah. I haven't. I haven't seen the Land Rover sticking their hand up saying <laughs> we're coming back with seventy-five million dollars. I haven't seen the, the princess. Uh, it's got some other things on her mind with some new offspring coming. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, show me. It's easy to say. Here's a million dollars. I'm entering the event. Count me in. Yeah, 
and you can sign a uh, contract with a grant for 10000 a month to come and help you, but where is the real money? So until we see the real source of uh, money from Great Britain, I'm, I'm – I'm sh- show me. Is yeah, my, yeah. Show, show, show me. Yeah, um, so I think they'll. I think, I think they'll make it, but be we okay. still have to see it. Yeah, for and sure. Then, and then, of course, the uh, Prada folks from from uh, Italy—they have uh, all the money they need. Uh, he, he's uh, committed to the America's Cup. He loves it. He's the, uh, really the challenger of record, and he, he and Grant Dalton uh, worked together to win the cup. I think the Prada provided some. Uh, money and aid to help uh, New Zealand win, as along with the Emirates Air. Yeah, and so they have a very close working relationship as uh, challenger and challenger of record that will work together to provide for a uh, big event. So the one thing we can say pretty much for sure is that we're going to have a, uh, a strong defender because the New Zealanders, no matter what, they, they don't oh, mess around. No, they'll put a fight up. They're, they're damn good at what they do. And they have some very talented sailors, you yeah, know. The, absolutely. The, the, the moth guys are yeah. just the best sailors in the world yeah. now, probably. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. The, the, so yeah. they'll have a strong sailing team. They have a, a leg up uh, in design, and uh, the money will be there somehow. Grant will come up with the money, Yeah, and uh, there'll be a strong that. defense. So mm. we're going to see a strong defense from New Zealand. We're going to see a, uh, a strong challenge from Prada and uh, the New York Yacht Club and uh, no doubt to Ben Amesley. So there will be three strong guys. And then there will be some also rands from China, Japan, some third world countries. Yeah. But I, I don't see Sweden or France at this point involved uh, from my, my viewpoint. So we'll be interested to uh, stay in touch with you and hear what's going on from the Australian standpoint and see yeah. how Tom Slingsby and – I uh, read that uh, John Bertrand, he always likes to have his uh, nose under the uh, tent. <laughs> yeah, so we'll I'll see if he's involved, but yeah. I, I don't see him as a key part of it. He's getting you know, he's getting up there a little bit. Yeah. Still a great yeah. sailor, but he may be a little long in the tooth to be actively in an Australian America's Cup challenge. So we'll yeah. have to wait and see, but it's going to uh, you know, be very, very interesting for all of us to for watch. Sure. And if you had any final thoughts for us uh, – uh, now that you're back here in America, maybe yeah. you can sail with uh, you know, <laughs> James Spittles, my neighbor, you know? Yeah, I know, I know. I was at Gary so even Walton's, though he's actually. So he, he lives uh, across from Gary, and yeah, I live next yeah. door, so we yeah. have a quite a mob there. It is a bit. I'm I'm not in Point Loma. I'm over the other side of the, the city. Well, you've got to make you got to get some of that Spittle money a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not you, making you, what he is. <laughs> you, you need that uh, 30000 a week to yeah. come and practice yeah. in the boat. Jeez, that'd be good, yeah. You need so, to get him in here, actually. So we'll get Ask him, him about we'll, that penalty. We'll, we'll, he, he'll say it was 100% uh, fair and square. Yeah, you know what he's uh, going to say? That's right. He's, he's very knowledgeable oh, about he the media. Did, he he's a great guy, and yeah, we're going to look forward to having you back here, uh, yeah. on the show on a regular basis. And just can't thank you enough for making the effort to show but, up. You're just at home from uh, your country and having a bit of holiday with your family. And uh, we're we're happy to have you back. And thanks so much. No for, worries. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, thanks so for much for me. coming on the show. Cheers, mate. Thank, Thank you. you. Good day, folks. And thanks for for listening. And hope you enjoyed the podcast. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography, and history taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.